0: Welcome everyone to episode 34 of Down to Play. I'm your host Dapper Tux, along with Next Gen Player. For this show, we'll be giving you our reviews of Spelunky 2, Shantae's Risky Revenge Director's Cut, Dirt 5 and Seagate's 1TB storage expansion card for the Xbox Series X and S. Before we start, I'd just like to give a special thanks to the game publishers for providing copies of the games up for review as well as the hardware. It's time to rev your engines with our Dirt 5 review on the Xbox Series X. Dirt 5 is the latest off-road racing game from developers Codemasters and publisher Deep Silver. It's available now on PS4, PS5, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. The game supports Xbox Smart Delivery and PlayStation's free upgrade. So if you get the last gen version, you can upgrade to the PS5 or Xbox Series X for free. Dirt 5 delivers amplified racing across 70 routes, 10 locations, and 13 vehicle classes. In the game, you must master the likes of rally cars, rock bouncers, buggies, and more as you prove yourself in the game's robust career and online mode. Next gen, you're in the driver's seat What were some things that you liked about Dirt 5?
1: Well, I had a blast with this game. I played it on Xbox Series X. Um, It was uh, one of the launch games that I played. So this was my first chance to check out what Xbox Series X was capable of. And I have to say, overall, I'm pretty happy with this game. Um, I should say that back in 2019, we got Dirt Rally 2.0. And if you're just wondering what the difference is between Dirt 5 and Dirt Rally 2.0... Well, Dirt Rally is more of a simulation type game uh, from Codemasters and Dirt the Dirt series has always been more of their arcade style. And I have to say, I mean, looking back at my history of racing games, I've always loved racing games probably since like I don't know, what's what's the OG one? Excite Bike <laughs> or F0? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> probably Excite Bike. Um, but, uh, but I have to say, like, I've always, always, always leaned towards the arcade, right? I was a huge fan of games like Daytona USA and Sega Rally back in the day. And as I mentioned, F-Zero and Mario Kart and all that. So I have to say, like, you know, one of the first things that I liked about this is just, I love that this game just sort of doubled down on the arcade style. It's like, you know, with a lot we've actually reviewed a bunch of racing games on down to play and we've reviewed a bunch of simulation games as well and it's like some of those games are so daunting when you first load it up like you've got like so many different ways that you can tweak your car and 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 it's like you know you can spend hours like adding libraries and and like you know tuning your engines and your tires and all that stuff and you know like that can be fun sure but i'm I'm the type that i just like to get into like the racing cockpit and just you know get get the adrenaline going and this game is is just like it's so accessible right like from yeah from the minute I, I i got to my first race i was i was racing around i wasn't really having too many difficulties um it's not to say that there's no challenge there's definitely a challenge in this game um especially like since there's so many different modes and different tracks that you've got to learn but i mean like there's just you know it's 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 just pick up and play
0: like yeah no i found that too like as i'm looking through my backlog and i'm just like okay i don't want to play this tonight it's just so involved there's so many details um but with something like dirt five it's like okay i can just shut my mind off and just kind of race and have fun for 15 20 30 minutes that accessibility piece for me is is huge as well too because it's just like okay Let's just uh, buckle up and off we go.
1: Yeah, and I have to say, like you know, another thing that I really did like about this game is the graphics. I thought the graphics were amazing. Um, some uh, little, little like interesting tidbit about this game is that it's actually made by Code Masters Cheshire, which is actually the studio that was formerly known as Evolution, which made Drive Club on the play. You know, it was the PlayStation Four exclusive game.
0: Yeah, rest rest in peace. Yeah, I know. Game
1: like anyone who played drive club i mean like that is such a shame that that game got shut down because it, it was just so good and i know like obviously it had problems at launch with uh, with the online and all that stuff like it just took a while for them to iron all that stuff out but like but drive club was just you know it was such a graphically you know impressive game and and it was all about like you know tight pack racing and and they've like you know it's the same studio that made dirt five so i mean if you like drive club i think you're gonna love this game i think that there's just you know there's a lot of parallels that that i can see with it um you know like the graphics i thought the graphics of this game looked really good um i especially like you know there there's like weather effects that looked really awesome the the nighttime racing looked amazing like you know when you go past the, the finish line and you've got the like the fireworks that go off and the lights that go off like it just looks really 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 good so um yeah just from like you know from a gameplay and a graphic perspective definitely I thought this game was like really really good top notch and then another like big plus for me was definitely the career mode so um the the career mode like basically it's it gives you like you know a flavor for pretty much everything the game has to offer so you've got there's ten different locations that it takes you to, anywhere from like you know Brazil to Norway to Greece to Italy, Morocco, South Africa, and it's just like each of those locations I think have um what something like five to ten different uh, variations each. So I think there what is there in, in total seventy? There's like seventy different. Uh, Different routes that you can take in this game.
0: Yeah, and they each fork too, right? So you can even uh, just depending on your race style, you can decide to kind of. And you know later stages, you can decide to start going through different different routes that more sort of suit your style. Which again, another thing that I like, don't don't force me to race and and you know have you know quote unquote fun on a track that I don't really want to drive. Which I I really like that uh, that option.
1: Yeah, and it's actually pretty cool too because the campaign actually lets you um lets you test out all the different modes the game has as well right so there's there's like there's i think there's nine in total nine different types of races that you can you can do so there's anywhere from there's like you know straight racing right so there's there's like you know your traditional race and then you've got uh like point to point races you've got um, there's like one called icebreaker, which is, that one's actually my favorite. That's, that's obviously my, me.
0: yeah, mine, mine too. It's insane. Just the, the actual, like, out, like ultra drifting across ice. I mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> it was my favorite too.
1: Cause like I said, like, you know, the, the gameplay is like, you know, pick up and play. And, and so there, like, there wasn't a lot of challenge I found with drifting, except when you're playing icebreaker, like when you're playing icebreaker, yeah. I mean, like you, you, you're slipping and sliding and you have to like,
0: you got, you got to, f- factor in the insane uh insane surfaces that you're dealing with
1: oh another one that i really like too another another mode was uh it was one called pathfinder and this is like basically it's like it's like hardcore off-road terrain where it's like the goal of this is not really speed it's actually kind of like strategy because you you have to like you climb up hills that are probably like you know 80 degree up right and and like and then you you're, you go over the hill and then you've got like huge like bumpy terrain around you like it's not again it's not built for speed like you're, you're trying to like you're trying to navigate these like ultra harsh terrain and trying to figure out like you know how to get from point a to point b as fast as you can right so i thought that was really really cool but one of my favorites too that actually i think this was in in dirt 3 and now it's finally back but the Gymkhana, so the Gymkhana is uh, is a mode where it's, like, essentially, like, it's not a race. You're inside this this gym, and there's, like, basically you get points, and so, so it's a, a, you know, you have to try to get the highest score that you can get, and you get points by, you know, doing, like, power turns, and there's, like, there's point blocks that you can break and jumps and stuff like that. So it's just, like... Yeah, it's like it's like the ultimate just like um, like test run where you just like you go you go as fun and as crazy as you can be and try to rack up your your high score. So that was uh, I guess that was my second big highlight. The last one that and this is actually by far my my biggest highlight for this game is that they have custom created tracks. So you can actually there's a a mode called playgrounds where you can create, you can share, you can discover tracks from other community members and it's like it's super simple to create the tracks um you can just like you can pick like you know flat surfaces or ramps or whatever you want and and they just sort of like snap in place like lego so i thought that was like super easy and and intuitive but like but for me i've always been more of a downloader and a player than than a creator i just i love checking out what the community's created and man like there's just so many fun tracks like I played, there was a whole bunch um, that people made around Christmas time that were all Christmas themed. So there, there was like one that was like an obstacle course and around the um, like certain corners there were snowmen and I had to climb up um, like snow hills and there was candy canes and like all
0: kinds of like fun, cool stuff like that. And uh, next, gen, you were mentioning you're a Mario Kart fan. Did you see the uh, Dirt 5 take on Rainbow Road? It i did yeah yeah it was I, just so much fun
1: <laughs> i did yeah and that's and that's the cool thing about it so you know just like you know games like maybe like Trackmania, little big planet super mario maker like this is the type of thing where where you can just like you know i'll probably be checking back now every few weeks just to see like what funny cool interesting things did the community create and it just creates so much value right like i said there's 70 different courses in this game but like there's basically unlimited now, and and there's so many fun and interesting and creative tracks that I've saw that the community created. So, those were my my big pluses overall. Um, what about you? What are what are some things that you liked about Dirt
0: Five? Yeah, well, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you were talking about the accessibility of the racing. I love the presentation overall of the game as well too. Like as soon as you start up the game, it loads up. It, it kicks you in the in the pants in a good way. but I mean it's like a it's it's a really in your face presentation style and that's what I want from dirt, right? Like when I when I get in that car, I want, snow rain mud and whatever else fireworks going off in the background like i'm a stunt driver and i really got that from dirt 5. i love the fact they doubled down with arcade racing but that arcade racing is also grounded with some excellent gameplay and some incredibly tight controls for something that where you know uh, you're constantly slipping and sliding everywhere i never felt that uh you know i was going off road uh, or out of control because of uh, lack of the actual controls they were fantastic another big nod for me was the sound design all the vehicles sounded extremely accurate compared to their real life real life uh, counterparts and the car audio on different surfaces like you could close your eyes while you were driving don't recommend that but if you did you could hear the difference between gravel snow mud uh, as you ripped around the track
1: one thing i want to mention too like you mentioned you mentioned audio like I don't know if you if you listen to it but one of the things that I loved about this game is that there's actually podcasts that you can listen to. So I don't know if you Yeah, uh, yeah like it's 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 actually Troy Baker, Nolan North and um some famous uh some famous folks in the the racing industry. There's James Pumphrey and Nolan Sykes. But, uh, you know, we're podcasters, so it kind of like hit home for me. I was like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah,
0: a little bit too. I, I hope we don't sound as cringy, though. But not, again, not to take away from Troy Baker and Nolan North. Their, their performances were outstanding as always. And again, with, the, with these two voice actors, that was totally unexpected. Like, talk about taking two of the best voice actors, uh, I would say, in the industry right now, period, and put, popping them into this game. I just didn't expect to have that caliber of voice acting within a racing game which was amazing to see.
1: Oh for sure. Yeah, and you can tell right away, right? Like any anyone who's played any games in the last 10 years like you know their yeah. voices.
0: <laughs> Right. So, yeah, that
1: was the first thing that I noticed when when the game loaded up. I was like, that sounds like Troy Baker and that sounds like Nolan
0: North. Yeah, I know. In terms of the production, like really with sound, there was no expense spared. You even had like 40 chart topping songs from multiple genres. So along with the wide selection of vehicles, you had crazy tracks as well, too, from bands like The Killers, Chemical Brothers, um, you know, a sound just just about for everyone. Um, so again, sights, sounds, the weather effects too. I, like I said before, with an off-road game, I expect a certain degree of just mud and, eff- and things splashing and flying around everywhere. And the weather effects, especially the night driving uh, next gen, which you talked about before. Uh, some tracks even had you go through a full day-to-night cycle, which were just... It was just beautiful, because you would essentially catch a sunrise, and then you would also experience, you know, the the beauty of fireworks and other particle effects with things flying around the track. And it was nice, too, because the tracks... It also added this little layer of challenge, because the tracks would change, and visibility was reduced uh, along with the weather conditions. So it it was just... I don't know. It was really the rally experience that I was looking for. And we talked before about simulation games that just... I guess take themselves a little bit too seriously. And you know, there's there's a group of players for that. But for me at the end of the day, when my patience is already sort of worn thin with life in general, I just wanna <laughs> have some fun. And, and this is the game uh, to do that with. Uh, so those are my big pluses. Uh, Next Gen, uh, what are some things about uh, Dirt 5 that, um, that you disliked about the game?
1: Well, we talked about how we both liked the graphics of this game. Um, and I, I certainly did. I thought the graphics were really, really good. Um, but I have to say that there were the odd graphical issue that I saw. Um, it was mainly around, like, there were some light sources that were flickering, and, um, there was just, like, I don't know, some, like, funky textures that were happening when I was racing around. Um, wasn't, like, you know, wasn't so bad that it was really distracting, but it's just kind of, like, one of those things where you're, like, you know, 98% of the game looks good, but then that 2%, you're, like, uh, <laughs> like, uh. That's uh, maybe that's something that that uh, was like, you know, like a, a last gen asset that maybe just never got improved
0: for Xbox Series X. Um, yeah, this is a game that you when you're showing off your PS5 or your Xbox Series X, <laughs> you want the graphical fidelity to be off the charts. And know, like you said before, it is for the most part. But yeah, no, I, I definitely saw a l- little bit of graphical hitches here and there as well, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it. It looked good. It looked really good. But, but I have to say, like, I guess for like the first next gen racing game, I, I was expecting it to look a little bit better because I, you know, I'm I'm used to games like Forza and Forza Horizon, which like, you know, they're they're in and like Gran Turismo Sport, like those games are are like you know picture perfect basically, and and I thought that this game looked you know comparable to them. Um, so, I mean. It, that's still saying a lot because that means the game looked really good it just didn't sort of like blow me away um graphically for for a next gen game um but another thing that i that uh, was a bit of a downer for me i did actually mention the podcast and i i I loved the podcast um i'm glad that they're in there i think that they're fun they're interesting but i have to say like sometimes they got a little cringy (laughs) like that basically like the way it is, is is like the the hosts of the show are like they're their car rivals right so they're um you know there's like this rivalry that's going on that tells a story and it's fun and it's interesting but like sometimes it gets a little cringy so they could yeah. have uh I don't, I don't know like maybe it was just the way it was written or <laughs> i don't know what it was but but uh they should have just dialed back the cringe a little bit um and then the last thing that that's uh, uh you know it's a bit of a downside for me is that i thought that when i was playing the career mode I thought that the, the difficulty or the challenge was a little bit uneven because sometimes I would play maybe like four or five races in a row and not really have any problem. Like, you know, I pretty much get first place or in the top three at least, you know, for, for all of them in a row. And then suddenly I, I, I face this one track where I'm like, why is this so hard? <laughs> like, what's what's going on here? Like, the the, the challenge, like... It, it, it doesn't give you like you know like a slow steep challenge curve yeah. like it just kind of like it just kind of spikes and then it goes back down to being easy again
0: yeah no it's like one race you're almost lapping your opponent and then the next one is just like okay i cannot keep up with these guys and then i try to keep employ a little bit more drastic racing techniques and then i plow into a rock and then i flip over and there's no like rewind feature and it's just like okay I'm back in, you know, last place. I have to just restart the whole race. But you're right. There's just a, a sudden, uh, sharp difficulty spike. And then it just drops right back down where you're just like, oh, okay. Um, don't know how why that happened, but it did. <laughs> I guess some more, uh, some more play
1: t- testing was needed to sort of smooth that out. Or maybe it was on purpose. I, I really don't know. But, uh, but yeah, that was kind of a con for me. So what about you? What are, what are some things that you perhaps didn't like with this game?
0: Yeah, so just kind of piggybacking on that last point about uh, difficulty spikes and things that just seem a little bit out of place, uh, the sprint car racing for me was so out of place. It was great that Codemasters tried to provide a variety of racing, but this just felt like it did not belong in the experience at all. So I did find that if it you know, was completely taken out of the game, no love lost uh, for me at all. Um, it was it was cool to see a different variety of cars and a new style of racing, but just for that off-road element, it just seemed like it didn't fit, and it was what gave me the most trouble. Um, but, you know, that being said, maybe others enjoyed it, but it was just not for me. Um, also, we talked about the pedigree of actors involved in the game, and the fact that there was no cutscenes or character models really at all to tell the story in story mode and replaced by those podcasts uh, – the podcasts were performed well, but it would have been ideal to see some characters and some cut scenes to help flesh things out a little bit more. Again, you've got Troy Baker and Nolan North at your disposal. It would have been great to see actual, you know, faces to some of those voices, that's for sure. Uh, and finally, I, I found that career mode, um, although it's it does have a, a good amount of depth, it could, used, could have used a little bit more. Uh, at first, it seemed like things were a lot different. There was a ton of variety, but then as you start to race more, you realize, okay, this is just the same thing, or this is very samey, and it just goes by a different name. Overall, though, it it really wasn't uh, any of my dislikes here, weren't things that uh, made me want to put the game down. It was a ton of fun. Um, with all that being said, though, next gen, what would you score uh, Dirt 5 on the Xbox Series X?
1: I thought overall it was a pretty solid game. I mean, for the racing games that I played in the, in the last year, it's like... It's definitely one of the best that I've played. So I'm going to give this game a really solid 8.5 out of 10.
0: All right, and it it looks like we're crossing the finish line uh, with the exact same time and score here. I'm right at that 8.5 mark as well, too. I mean, it felt it was higher than an 8 just based on the, the graphics and the, the fun it's provided. Um, it just has its hooks in me, too. I find that I keep going back to this game. If I'm looking for a quick fun fix with racing or just I've got a you know, small amount of time to spare for, for a fun experience. This is what I keep going back to in my library. So 8.5 out of 10, great graphics, amazing soundtrack. Cars are an absolute blast to drive. There's so many modes, so much support. It looks like so far there's a new winter uh, car pack that just came out. So it looks like Codemasters is going to continue to support this um, as they promised. So the horizon looks bright for Dirt 5. Definitely uh, check that one out. Next review we're going to be moving on to is uh, the one of the indie darlings in Spelunky 2. Spelunky 2 is the sequel to the award-winning roguelike platformer Spelunky by developers Mossmouth and Blitworks. Spelunky 2 is a greatly expanded sequel that builds upon the unique randomized challenges that made the original a roguelike classic, offering a huge adventure designed to satisfy players old, and new. In the game, you play as Anna, the daughter of the explorer from the first game who visits the moon in order to search for treasure and find her missing parents. Next, gen, you got the most time with Spelunky 2. Uh, what were some things you liked about the game?
1: Well, I thought it's hard to believe, but Spelunky actually released 12 years ago. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's one of those things where, where it's like, I could have sworn I played that game maybe like six, seven years ago. I don't know, like it... it The fact that it's like, you know, double that, um, yeah, makes me feel really old. I'm like, whoa, like, did I, I must have played Spunky 2, like, when would that have been? Like, that would have been like the 360 era. Yeah. Oh, man. But anyways, it's cool that that this game's back. Um, The sequel is is here, it's arrived on PlayStation 4, it's on PC, and then anyone who checked out Nintendo's last uh, Indie Direct that they had... You, can, uh, you would have seen the news that, that Splunky and Splunky 2 was coming to Nintendo Switch later this year. So that's actually pretty big news. And definitely, you know, if you're a, a Switch owner and you have not checked out Splunky, this is your chance to check out not only the sequel, but also the pretty awesome first Splunky game. So um, in terms of what I liked about the game, I have to say, I mean, like, Splunky 2 gives you so much satisfaction when you make progress in the game like it it is like anyone who's played a roguelike game will will know right like if you played say like you know the binding of isaac or we just talked about Hades we reviewed Hades um you know a few episodes ago like these games like you know they're so tough and they kick your butt and and like you know but once you finally make it to like you know the next room or the next level or the next world like you just feel so good and that's the thing with Splunky 2 I found. I found that this game is like, you know, I guess it's actually a fair warning for anyone playing it. This game is like ultra, super, massively tough. Like, here's the thing. I I swear that this is true. I just finished, we talked about this actually in the last episode, I just finished getting the Platinum for Demon Souls and that game kicked my butt but i'm telling you that Splunky 2 gave me more difficulty like it is it is harder than people wow really it is so hard it is like it's ridiculously hard and uh it's but but the thing is like this is like a really like key point though is that it's super super hard but it's also super super fair because it's it's all about well when you first make it to a new level in this game i think there's like some like seven different worlds in total but then there's like there's a few branching paths that you can take so there's around like 10 different worlds in total um once you make it to a new world like you will die so fast because there are so many new challenges that you have to face like there are like there's different enemies um like bats and lizards and spiders and mummies and snakes and all kinds of things like that that you have to contend with but then there's also traps like this game is like super tricky and trappy it'll there'll be like bear traps that are hidden on the floor and there'll be like arrow traps and totem traps and spiked balls and like you know they're all all of these things that are like they they try to be sneaky and they try to kill you and and it's like you know most of the times they do but the whole point in this game is like so. Basically, when you die, you start right back at the very beginning of the game again. So even if you're like you know six worlds in, you're back at the beginning. You got to do the whole thing all over again. You're gonna lose all of your items. You're gonna lose everything that you you acquired. But like the one thing that you acquire that is so valuable for each run is information. <laughs> like you'll find, you'll you'll like you'll figure out like oh okay like I can I can pick up the bear traps and I can throw the bear traps or like. You know, I can pick up stones and I can throw them and and like so I can I can kill enemies from a distance and all these things. You you just like slowly learn and build up your skills and then you make it a little bit further and a little bit further. And it's like I know it's frustrating to die, but like in games like this and we were talking the same thing for Hades, right? For for a lot of these like roguelike games, you'll like even though you die, you always want to have like that one more run right like you you know how you like you get that craving you're like this is gonna be it like i'm like i'm gonna make it like one world further this time i'm gonna like i'm gonna do it i'm not gonna die this time so um and this this like just like other roguelike games this game is like procedurally generated so every time you play everything is completely different so you'll like you know you, you can't memorize you can only memorize like you know how enemies move and attack and like and try to spot where traps are but the worlds are completely gener- regenerated after you die, so, you, so there's like there's new like new, new traps and like new positioning of the traps and stuff like that. So um, yeah, so you just have to like yeah, you have to really be patient with this game. Um, but one thing that I that I loved about it as well, like this is a huge plus for me so many fun items like this is the you know all good roguelite has has good items that you can you can buy and you can like mix and match and there's so many good ones here like there's ropes and there's bombs and you can get different guns like a shotgun you can get a freeze gun you can get a parac- uh, a, a parachute cape that will just sort of help you like um you know like slowly g- glide down because most of the levels start at the top of a of a cave or like a jungler whatever and you got to work your way down Um, yeah, so it's just like, you know, just like how you learn about the enemies, like over time, you kind of learn what the items do and like how you can sort of like mix and match items to sort of like, you know, get the best out of your run. And there is, um, I don't know, I don't know the total, but I'm going to guess there's like 30 or 40, maybe 50 different items that you can get in total. So there's, there's so, 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 so many, um, and they're a lot of fun to experiment with. Um, And then in terms of um, like another thing that I really liked is there's just like there's there's a lot more to this game than just the single player campaign you've got there's online co-op there are single player challenges where it's basically like everybody is given this is a daily challenge everybody's given the same dungeon and and like there's uh like you, you basically try to go through the same dungeon and get the highest score so you can like you can check back every day and they've got a new dungeon that you can go and you can try to get yourself on the leaderboard and i thought that that was a lot of fun um yeah moving on to things that i didn't like with the game so i, I have to say like it is definitely a, a pro but it's also a con The challenge man <laughs> challenge it's like so definitely i enjoyed the challenge i i like a good challenge i i I felt great when i overcame a challenge but i mean like there are some times where you just like get defeated deflated you like you almost want to rage click crit you're like (laughs) like you make it so far and then maybe you 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 forgot like how an enemy moved or like you didn't see something or you just did something dumb and you fall off a uh like you fall in a hole and there's a spike below you or something like that like i don't know there there's just so many times where where it's like you do something and you die and and the thing is with this game is like it is actually pretty fair and it always feels like it's your fault right like you you should have known better <laughs> so i don't know like it it just sort of like it does weigh on you a little bit um so this is the game where it's like, I definitely suggest that if you've died a bunch of times and you're just kind of like getting a little frustrated, put it down for a while and then and then pick it back up. Um, another thing that I didn't like is um, I did actually appreciate that they have online co-op and when online co-op worked, it worked really well. But everyone who's been following this game will know that there there is like some major issues with the online. It was just super laggy. It's still not perfect. They actually even, uh, they released on PC like not long after the playstation 4 version i think it was just like a week or two after that but they they ended up delaying the multiplayer on pc because the code was just so bad so you know like kudos to the developers because they're working hard to get this fixed and and getting it super smooth but um but definitely uh you know not the best experience online um and then the last thing that i think could have been improved is uh i mentioned that there's leaderboards that you can get on but I found that the leaderboards are pretty bare-bone like there's no at least uh, at least last time I checked like there wasn't any way for you to really like you know to, to locate your score quickly um like you basically just have to have to scroll down from the very top and it's kind of like well where am I like <laughs> am I like position a hundred or a thousand or what am I and then it's also kind of hard to compare your scores with friends it's just kind of like you, it compares you to like you Know the the millions of other players that are out there playing the game, but I like I want to specifically know how did I compare to my friends and my my you know my PlayStation list friends, like yeah. So, anyways, I thought that those elements could have been improved, but overall, I mean, minor, uh, minor gripes, I would say. And, uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to give it the, my final score. So,
0: yeah, for uh, for Spelunky 2, what would you uh, give it uh, out of 10?
1: I would say that it is my second favorite indie game of last year i would say hades is number one Splunky is number two and so that's pretty high praise right there and i would say
0: that that's yeah that's super high praise
1: yeah i I would give this game a nine out of ten i think it's 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 super 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 polished and anyone who likes like i said hades or bunny of isaac or any other roguelike out there um yeah check it out i mean and, and it's coming coming to nintendo switch so
0: I'm a fan of Roguelikes, uh, you've got me sold. And uh, another game that you've checked out uh, that I haven't had a chance yet is uh, Shantae's Risky Revenge, the Director's Cut uh, review. So we'll, we'll take a look at that now next, Jen, and you'll, you'll take us through this one as well. Shantae Risky's Revenge uh, has an interesting history. The game was originally released for Nintendo DSi in 2010. It was later ported to iOS a year later in 2011, featuring a new magic mode that gives Shantae increased uh, attack power in exchange for weaker defense. A Director's Cut version was released uh, on PC in 2014 featuring an improved warp system, the Magic Mode from the iOS port, a PS4 port of the Director's Cut was released in 2015, then a Wii U port on March 24th of 2016. And finally, ports for Nintendo Switch and Xbox One were released last year uh, in October of 2020. For this review, uh, NextGen is going to give us all of his impressions of the Xbox One version uh, that he's played on the Series X. So the game's story goes a little bit like this. Shantae and her friends visit her uncle, Mimic, and participate in the annual Relics Hunters Expo. During the expo, her uncle shows a lamp he found while exploring, and shortly after, uh, evil pirate Risky Boots appears to uh, steal the lamp. Shantae is sent on an adventure to retrieve Uncle Mimic's lost lamp, and to do so, she must collect three hidden magicals seals and unlock the secrets of this mysterious island uh next gen what were your thoughts on oh, this is a really cool sounding game
1: yeah well so you you can tell that i'm actually a big fan of shantae we actually reviewed um shantae and the seven sirens back on episode 24 of down to play so um yeah i, I basically i so i originally had not played shantae It came out i think on on Game Boy was the first one um or Game Boy Color um I, I never actually had a chance to, to play it back then and I only recently in the last few years discovered Shantae and it is quickly becoming one of my favorite Metrovania games like it is just so fun I, I love this series so much and um yeah so this game actually came out in 2010 I never had a chance to play it so and then um and then I heard that it's coming out on Nintendo Switch and Xbox One so I ended up, um, you know, playing this on Xbox One, and I'm just I'm so happy and glad that I did. I thought it was a super fun Metroidvania game. Um, Shante is like, I guess like the the thing with this game, with like the biggest draw, the biggest appeal to it is that it's like it's super comical. It's it's definitely like it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Um, like the the very first boss that you have to fight or face in this game in order to get to the boss you basically have to go and, pre- and prepare his favorite meal <laughs> so he's like basically like the, the key to get into his dungeon is you have to feed him his favorite meal and then after after you feed him his favorite meal then he, he sort of like stiffs you on the bill so the the bill is is, is like he was going to give you one of those magic seals and he like you know he ends up uh not giving it to you, and you've got to go through this whole dungeon and 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 basically, you know, get the seal off of him. So, um, but it's like the cutscenes are are super super funny and super cute. The uh, Shantae is is like she's basically like a half genie and a half human. So she, uh, her powers is belly dancing. <laughs> so she's got like she's got like basically throughout the game, you end up getting, um, you start uh acquiring these animal abilities and the the animal abilities are are actually like you actually turn into the animals by performing various belly dances so you've got like uh for example one is a monkey monkey lets you um do a super jump and lets you stick to a wall later on you can power it up so you can do sort of like a monkey dash which like lets you uh, like dash vertically uh, or sorry uh, horizontally uh, across uh, the screen or a couple of screens and then there's also a mermaid, which lets you swim and shoot up mermaid bubbles. And then the last one is an elephant, and she can turn into an elephant. She can charge, and she can break blocks, and she can also uh, get an elephant stomp that lets her break blocks below her. So, just like every classic Metroidvania game out there, like you've got this like pretty big uh, interconnected world that you that you have to explore, You've got a map um that's filled with like different collectibles and power-ups and, and items and a lot of the game is gated off right so if you play games like on like you know castlevania metroid um ori like ori um i just played that earlier this year say same like you know same setup with this game like you're you're gonna you're gonna get to a spot there's gonna be like you know there, it might be like a pool of water that you can't swim or like uh like a super tall ledge that you can't jump to and you have to um you know basically power up your character and then you can um eventually you know overcome these challenges and unlock those doors and and make it to the next world um yeah so so like it's just like it's a super super colorful fun game um the the main villain is risky boots <laughs> so risk risky boots is is uh is like a pirate um who who's all like the biggest thorn in in shantae's spine right so she's always like doing like evil things and basically like in this um there's like uh like a magic lamp that's um that her uncle he's like a he's a relic hunter he finds this this lamp and then risky boots she steals it and um and then you like as shantae you've got to go around and you've got to get this lamp back and, and you've got to collect these seals which is going to unlock the power of the lamp right so it's, it's totally a lot of fun again if you like metroidvania games like you're going to love this one I think definitely uh definitely check it out uh in terms of things that I didn't like with the game I thought um one thing that I think this is just because this is an older title but as I mentioned like there isn't a map and like in most metroidvania games you know they you know one of, one of the foundational pieces of them is that they've got a, a map that you can check out um so this one does too but when you go into a dungeon, there's no map. The later Shantae, Shantae games um, have maps in dungeons. So I think that this is, you know, just because this is an older title, they they just, you know, they, they just didn't do that in this entry. So it is kind of like, it does kind of suck because, um, not that the dungeons are like super big, but, um, you know, you always want to make sure that you've like, you know, you've checked off every zone and you've got all the power-ups and stuff like that. And you really can't um, do that in the dungeons. So... You just have to sort of like you know do your best to explore everywhere and make sure that you you thoroughly like you know clean the dungeon out of all the items um the other thing is that i thought uh this is actually pretty pretty similar with with the series in general but i thought that there's a, a lack of challenge so if you're looking for like a super tough game um this isn't it i found that the challenge is it was like pretty easy The the bosses they look nice and and uh, uh and like the enemies and the worlds everything like looks nice but there's not a lot of challenge right i think i I died like a handful of times in the game like not more than than five i think in total (laughs) maybe less i don't know but it's just like basically like the other thing too is that you can get you can actually acquire uh power-ups you can you can buy like magic spells and stuff like that and all like the item shops and all of these items are available from the beginning of the game so if you want to like you know go and like grind and, and kill a few enemies get some coins go back you can buy some some spells so again like it's pretty easy because you can you can like almost fully power yourself up um you know as early as the beginning of the game so you know it, it's uh um yeah not not much of a challenge there um the other thing is that the the graphics so this game was originally like it was on game Boy, and then and then it got got ported across um a few generations But they they, like this is pretty much like a straight port and they didn't remaster this game at all. So the like while the game is presented in its pixel glory and I love pixel graphics, this is like they basically had to blow up the pixels to, to fit modern screens because this game came out back when we didn't have like, you know, huge 50 and 60 inch televisions. So um, yeah, when I was playing this on my my big screen TV, I was like, whoa, those, I can see like every pixel. <laughs> like the pixels are so big, right? Um, so it would have been nice to, to get the, you know, have the graphics touched up a little bit. Um, it's not that the game looks bad, it's just, it just looks pixely, right? It looks pixely, That's, and, and, and so like, it doesn't look the best is what I can say. Um, but overall i thought you know i thought the game was pretty enjoyable it's also like it's super cheap i think last time i, I checked it was somewhere around like 10 to 15 bucks depending on on what uh, like eShop you're looking at um so yeah i mean like for a ten dollar game or a 15 game like you can't go wrong if you like metroidvania games if you've like if you've just finished playing ori and you're like you're looking for your next Metroidvania game. This is the one, in my opinion.
0: Man, yeah, that's a that's a bargain too. Based on uh, well, what you're telling the audience here, sounds great. It's another one that uh, definitely want to check out. Uh, so, next gen, uh, what would you score uh, the game out of ten?
1: Thought it was really fun. It took me, uh, let's see, about like about twelve hours or so to, to beat the game. I had fun the whole time, so I'm giving this game a really really solid eight out of ten.
0: At this point, we're going to change uh, gears from software to hardware. I'm going to be taking a look at Seagate's one terabyte storage expansion card for the Xbox Series X and S. Based on the next generation and where we are right now with the consoles, uh, it's been packed with an abundance of things. Stunning graphics, ultra-high-end resolution assets, blazing-fast amounts of frames per second. But the one area that has been lacking is hard drive storage space. Both the Xbox Series of consoles and the PS5 are built on Ultra-fast SSDs to deliver a better overall gaming user experience. This high-velocity storage architecture is pricey, so out of the box, uh, next-gen consoles don't have a ton of storage, packing roughly one terabyte each. I've found that you know I'm running out of space real quick on both my consoles. Luckily, there is a solution from Seagate for the Xbox Series X and S. Enter the Seagate Storage Expansion Card. This sleek little piece of hardware expands the space of your Xbox Series X or S to an extra one terabyte. It currently is the only option on the market, so your choices are kind of limited at this point, but that's what you're gonna need if you need more space for some next-gen Xbox gaming. You can buy other USB drives, but they will only support last generation and legacy xbox games so keep that in mind with your purchasing decisions if you're looking to back up you know your xbox one games uh, you want to play a lot of og xbox games or 360 games you can still use a regular usb drive but if you're looking for that next gen experience with upgraded storage you're going to need to purchase this device so i'm going to break down my experience with the drive into three categories aesthetics setup and performance. So first off, the looks and the feels, the aesthetics of this SSD. Uh, To start off with, this is one tiny unit. It's pretty cool because it's a little bit smaller than the original PlayStation 1 memory card. It's actually, you know, a few millimeters tiny, which is pretty wild when you consider the amount of space in this ultra compact unit. It sports a matte black edge to match the exterior design of the Xbox Series X and the main body of the device is a metallic silver but you won't see that part of it as it's fully uh, inserted into the Series S and X hardware. One thing I love about it too is that it's not a drive that will dangle off the back of your console with wires, it just neatly slips into the back of the console and it looks super sleek and like it belongs uh, there as part of the original hardware. The drive also sports a small Xbox logo and a the cap to protect it for gaming on the go which again is great you could easily hot swap this drive which I'll talk a, a little bit more about later and add an extra note is the three year manufacturer's warranty as well too which is above and beyond uh, for a lot of what um, hardware makers out there tend to offer so Seagate really looks like they're standing behind their product when you look at the uh, the actual warranty In terms of setup, setting up the hard drive is an absolute breeze. Uh, In the past, I've had to format drives. Sometimes things don't work exactly as as, you you want them to. But with this, there's an included instruction manual, but you really won't need it. You pull off the protective plastic cap, plug the drive into the back of your Xbox Series X or S... And it's ready to use within six to seven seconds. No formatting, no software. It's plug and play like an old school memory card, which is kind of interesting when you think about it. We've almost gone full circle. It's, you know, a ton more space, but uh, it's got that similar plug and play use to uh, OG uh, memory cards from yesteryear with like, you know, the PlayStation, GameCube, and so on and so forth. But it does, as I mentioned before, have far, far more storage and blazing fast read and write speeds. Once it's plugged in, Uh, you're roughly going to get 920 gigabytes of usable space. So again, on the package, on the drive, it says one terabyte, but full disclosure, Uh, My drive was 920 gigs. That tends to happen though with consumer hard drives, whether it's external drive, an SSD like this, uh, a drive inside of a laptop or desktop. Again, the sole purpose of this drive is to play games that are optimized for the Xbox Series X and S. It also closely replicates the speed and performance of the internal SSD. This drive is what you need to pack in more next-gen gaming experiences into your next-gen console. With that being said, let's talk a little bit about performance. So I know a lot of the um, advertising with this drive, it's all around the fact that uh, the internal SSD uh, with the Xbox Series X it's going to be fairly close performance. My benchmark testing revealed something a little bit different. So the internal SSD with the Xbox Series X and S, it hits around a advertised by Microsoft like a mind-blowing 2.4 gigabytes a second with transfer speed which is blazingly fast. The storage expansion card has enough read and write bandwidth behind it to sport similar numbers, although its boot times are slightly slower than the internal SSD. So I decided to do a little bit of testing with Dirt 5. I figured, hey, we're, we were going to review it in this podcast. Why not uh, do some testing with the SSD with this game? But I did find that if I booted the game from the internal drive, as opposed to this external card, there's about two to three seconds difference. It's It's not a huge margin, but I think it's I think it's notable. The hardware features the latest in PCIe Gen 4 NVMe SSD technology and it sports custom firmware. So this is only going to work with your with your Xbox. I don't know why you would buy it for anything else. With that being said, this firmware does allow for things like quick resume to work and the velocity architecture to work in tandem with this device. One really interesting thing I did find, for example, with uh, Halo, the Master Chief collection, uh, when the patch came out to make it compatible with the Series X and S, I had the entire collection on a USB drive, just a standard drive. But once that upgrade happened to make it compatible with the next-gen consoles, I actually had to migrate it over to this drive in order for it to work. So it's, it's really one of those things that from the software to the hardware, the moment something becomes a series, even if it's uh, upgraded, the moment it becomes a series X or S game that's compatible, it must be on one of these uh, optimized drives. So let's talk a little bit more about performance. In my test with Dirt 5, I talked about boot times. Let's talk about transfers. This gets me really excited because I find I'm constantly needing to move things around, less so with this drive, but as things are getting optimized, I just love to sort my game library. It's a thing I do often. Don't ask me (laughs) why, but I do it. But when I'm moving things around, I found before, you know, I'm sitting there for 20 plus minutes waiting for something to transfer. With Dirt 5, a 65 gigabyte game, it took one minute and 39 seconds to transfer from the internal drive to the external drive. My mind was blown. I even found that um, in terms of download speeds, it increases as well too. Again, with download speeds and your internet speed, that tends to be the biggest factor, but there's just something about how this drive also processes the actual downloads that just things, things are hitting my console a lot faster. Uh, loading games uh, was a similar experience as well, as I had mentioned before. We there was a, a variation of, you know, like I said before, the internal drive. The internal drive of the Xbox Series X is faster than this drive, so you'll you'll notice a small disparity of two to three seconds, but. It, In terms of blazing fast speeds, I think we're at a point where, you know, we're just splitting hairs. One downside to the drive is many have questions about the high price tag, but I did some research and when looking at comparable hardware on the market, the cost is in line with the technology. And again, when we ask for bleeding edge technology in our next gen consoles, we got it. And until the the adoption rates are higher and manufacturing processes, uh, you know, can ramp up a little bit more and scale up, the technology is expensive. As it's adopted more, I'm sure we'll see the price come down but hey granted it's a pricey investment especially considering that it it is half the cost of the series s so that's that's the one downside i am going to give it um but again i don't see a big premium uh tacked onto this drive based on the other drives out there right now on the market blazing fast speed does come with a higher price tag no matter where you go but, based on the drive's aesthetics, easy setup, hot swappable functionality, and blazing performance, I can recommend the hardware after a few months of use. I had no hitches, no issues with anything becoming corrupted. Uh, the only downside is that steep price tag that I mentioned, but this packs the performance of similar drives on the market with a similar value. Overall, I'd give this drive an 8 out of 10, I highly recommend it. and. It makes a decision easy for you because at this point it's the only drive right now that's compatible with the Xbox Series X and S for that velocity architecture uh, as well as allowing you to use things like Quick Resume. That about uh, wraps everything up. That's game over for this episode. I'm Dapper Tux.
1: And I'm Next Gen Player.
0: Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownToPlayCast. You can also catch us on our personal accounts on Twitter and Instagram at Dapper underscore Tux and at NextGenPlayer we are always down to play.